0: You are Locked On Rockets, your daily Houston Rockets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Two up, two down. In an NBA playoffs with so many 1-1 series, and this, the round one bout between Houston and Utah, the only matchup with two 50-plus win teams of any of the eight NBA playoff series, not only have the Rockets won both of the first two games, but neither has even been within 20 points. Back-to-back not only wins, but back-to-back blowouts. On that happy note, Welcome in to another happy post-game episode of Locked on Rockets, your home for daily podcast commentary on everything Houston Rockets basketball. As always, I'm your host, Ben DuBose, Rockets correspondent with Sports Talk 790, the team's official radio flagship in Houston. As we chat late this Wednesday night, the Rockets are victorious yet again. This time, Houston 118, Utah 98 in Game 2. That gives the Rockets a two-games-to-nothing lead in the best-of-seven Round 1 series as it shifts to Utah for Saturday's Game 3 and Monday's Game 4. The storyline tonight, James Harden led the way. His third career playoff triple-double, 32 points, 13 rebounds, 10 assists, a team-best plus 24, P.J. Tucker and Eric Gordon. They stayed hot, again, better than 50% from 3. Actually, they were exactly 50% in Sunday's Game 1. Tonight, they were even better than that after going 6 of 12 in Game 1. Tucker and Gordon tonight from behind the arc were 7 of 13. Austin Rivers, after being plus 23, second best on the team in plus minus in Game 1, he was a plus 21 in Game 2, again providing so much energy off that bench. Clint Capella had 10 boards, 3 blocks. Even though the traditional box score numbers didn't show it, I thought he was much better as a rim protector than Rudy Gobert. Chris Paul had 17 points, and more than what he provided offensively, 17 points, 5 of 11 from the field, 3 assists. I thought defensively where he had 2 steals, 2 blocks, his energy was infectious. He flew around, and that's a big part of how the Rockets, they coasted to this win because they were up 70 to 44 at the half. And while you notice the 70 and how electric they were from behind the 3-point arc, and after shooting nearly 37% on Sunday, as a team in Game 1, they were nearly 40%, or actually better than 40%, 17 of 42, 40.5% in Game 2. Well, just as impressive as the 70 in that first half was the 44 that they held Utah to. So it was another quality performance defensively. Yes, the Jazz got a few too many open threes, although I think some of that had to do with complacency. The Rockets were up 27-9, to 9, not even six minutes into the game. And at that point, it became clear that Houston was just the better team. So... We'll be talking about all of these themes as we move our way through our usual three-points recap. But to me, off the top, the primary theme is just how impressive this game is for James Harden, the MVP of the league, to put up a triple-double, 32-13-10. and By the way, his 13 rebounds, the Jazz were a bit more competitive on the glass. It was 42-41 Houston in Game 1. Game 2, the Jazz actually led for a lot of the first half. That Houston battled back to near parity, 48-46. Well, how does a team like Houston that's much smaller than the Derek Favors and Rudy Gobert-led Jazz up front battle to near parity on the glass? It's because you need to have guys like James Harden, who led the Rockets in rebounding at 13, chipping in. So on top of what he does offensively with 32 points and 10 assists on 11-24 of shooting, 6-13 of from 3, The fact is, on top of everything that he's doing on that end, to also be able to chip in with rebounds, that's what a truly elite and two-way player an MVP by any stretch of the imagination, in my opinion, does. So I thought this was an impressive game for James on both ends. It helps that because the Rockets take care of business, yet again, no one played that many minutes. P.J. Tucker led the way with 34. Harden was second with 33. So for the second consecutive game, it helps the Rockets... With games one, two, and three spaced out, and there not being that much time in between games the rest of the series, you do have two games or two days off in between each of these first three games. So that helps everybody stay fresh. And then if on top of everything else, you're able to win by 20 plus points and limit the minutes that way as well, then that's the cherry on top of the Sunday. So as far as Harden tonight, The defense from Utah wasn't really all that different. They still tried to shade him to his right. Now, I did think there was a slight reduction in trailing him. It wasn't quite as exaggerated as Sunday's game one. But honestly, this schematic principles from Quinn Snyder were pretty similar. And the Jazz were trying to dare other guys to beat them. And fortunately, they did. We mentioned Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, second consecutive game, hitting 50% or better from behind the arc. As far as what James can control, he made the mid-range shots, he made the floaters, and in isolation, whether it was Ricky Rubio, Tabo Sefalosha, Jay Crowder, Donovan Mitchell, whoever it was that took time, time guarding him, it didn't matter. Six of 13 from three, and actually Harden missed what would have been the highlight of his career when in the first quarter he not only shook Ricky Rubio off his feet, but actually had time to shimmy before his three-point attempt. Unfortunately, he missed that one, so he couldn't finish it off. But I do think that shows you the handle that James Harden had. And the fact that it came in the playoffs, boy, how sweet it is. Because we all know the silly playoff Harden narratives. I've railed against them for years because largely what it comes down to, the folks that say James Harden is a different player in the playoffs, as guys that stylistically don't like him, and generally they want – to make their own news. They want to fit the narrative, so everything is blown out of proportion. One or two bad games, which happen to anyone, especially in the playoffs, when you're always going up against elite defenses, and they make them out to be much more representative than they are. The reality, has Harden had a couple of bad playoff games? Yes, but by and large, he has been really, really good in the playoffs, just like he's been really, really good in the regular season. Does his efficiency dip a little bit in terms of shooting percentage? Over his career, slightly. But this past year and really over his career, I've run the numbers before. I've done them on this show here at Lockdown Rockets. It's really not that different than Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, his contemporaries. Because you know what? When you're in the playoffs and you're playing elite defenses like the Jazz, the Warriors, teams like that, you know what? You're going up against much better competition and more rested because they're go no back-to-backs than in the regular season when you have games against the New York Knicks and the Phoenix Suns. And they may be on the second night of a back-to-back or tanking or something else. The playoffs are harder. Generally, everyone's efficiency, especially amongst stars, declines to some extent. That's only logical. Have there been some really bad games for Harden? Yes, there's been an occasional one here or there. Guess what? There are for everyone. You go back to LeBron James. He had a single-digit NBA Finals game a few years back. So that narrative has always been over. Blown. That's why I always love when Harden has a game like he did tonight, 32, 13, and 10 in the playoffs, getting it done really on both ends, leading the team in rebounding, leading the team in assist, leading the team in points. And then beyond that, the one reasonable criticism of Harden, and I still think it was a little bit misguided, but a year ago, his numbers in game ones were by far better than his numbers for the remainder of each series. If you remember back to the 2018 playoffs, game 1 against Minnesota, game 1 against Utah, game 1 against Golden State. At least individually, those were the best games of each of those series for James Harden. And I think some of it it was less to do with fatigue and it was more to do with other teams making adjustments. Look, when you're going up against elite defenses, which two of those three are, the 2018 Jazz, the 2018 Warriors, they're going to take away what you do best. And they'd rather lose by the perimeter shooters or Chris Paul, somebody else beating them than the MVP of the league so I think to some extent you tip your hat other teams make adjustments and sometimes if you're James Harden you're just going to have a bad shooting night even when you are the MVP it happens to everyone I think that does Harden get fatigue narrative was largely overblown that said at some point you do need to put up to show that no it's nothing that's a trend it's just an isolated blip for a number of reasons circumstances the way other teams are defending him Randomness And for his first non-game one of the 2019 playoffs to be this strong, actually better than he was in game one, I wouldn't necessarily say the Jazz committed more resources to him, but they certainly didn't commit any less. And so to see him shoot six of 13 from three and have the Springs to lead his team in rebounds— Perhaps some of it is correlated with the Rockets racking up these big margins, which means that no one is having to be taxed in terms of minutes. Harden has been at 33 in both Game 1 and Game 2. We talked about the time off in between games. But to me, beyond the fact that, yes, the regular season, Harden does translate to the playoffs. He's still the same amazing basketball player. Beyond that, to see Harden do this in not a Game 1, to me, it really shows you that some of the narratives against him a year ago no, it wasn't always fatigue. It's not like the style is something that, for some reason, over the course of a series, wears on him. No, he can be the same guy in game two and hopefully beyond. Again, there's two days off until Saturday's game three when the Rockets can go from having what is now a really strong two games to nothing lead. And then, if they get game three, a hammer lock. The Jazz are not coming back from down three nothing. And Harden will have two days off before that. Will it be a little more difficult because it's in Utah? Yes. But when you have James Harden in the form that he is currently in, I don't know that it makes sense to bet against this Rockets team, especially a Rockets team that has now beaten the Jazz routinely. They beat them in five games a year ago. They've now won six of their last seven playoff games against Utah. And the concerning thing for the Jazz, these routes seem to be becoming more prominent rather than less. The more these two teams face each other, the more complicated it seems to be for Utah. If you think back to a year ago, the Rockets were really strong defensively against the Jazz, but offensively, it was a struggle. After game one in that series, the Jazz did some things to muck up Houston's offense, and really it took Chris Paul making some really tough shots in game five when he had 40 and 10 in the closeout game to finish off the Jazz. That's not happening right now. The Rockets, the defense, in terms of holding Utah down again below 100 points, That's still there. Offensively, though, it's gone from a year ago, what felt like a slog, to now they scored 122 in Game 1, 118 in Game 2, and that was with only scoring 23 in the fourth quarter when they had nothing to play for and the game was long over. So to me, up and down the lineup, this was as good of a Game 2 as you could ask for. They got out healthy. Offense, defense, they were dominant. The crowd was fantastic. What a fun Wednesday night at Toyota Center, and we'll talk about the rest of the team in segments two and three. But here off the top, as we close out segment one, three letters sum it all up. M-V-P. This was James Harden's night, and salute to him in a non-game one. I don't think the playoff Harden narratives were ever fair. That's just ridiculous. But at least by the numbers, the post-game one Harden takes from a year ago? Yeah, he was a different guy. So to see him go out there and shoot nearly 50% from the field and put up a triple-double, lead the team in all three of those stats, points, rebounds, and assists, yeah, it shows you that James Harden in game two, he was even better than James Harden in game one. And even though the Jazz are a quality team, this isn't an eight seed. This is not the LA Clippers. This is a 50-win team. The only matchup of two 50-win teams in the NBA playoffs, and the Rockets aren't just winning. They are thriving. They are blowing out the Jazz, and they look every bit the part of an NBA contender in the process. And remember, to get this show every day, you can subscribe to Locked on Rockets on the new Himalaya podcast app. In an ever-expanding podcast world, You need Himalaya with their personally curated playlist and new features each and every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked on Rockets, your home for daily coverage of what appears to be the NBA's hottest basketball team. Now, continuing our way through our three points recap This is Locked on Rockets, your home for daily podcast commentary on everything Houston Rockets basketball. And as always, I'm your host, Ben DuBose, Rockets correspondent with Sports Talk 790, the team's official radio flagship in Houston. We spent segment one of our usual three-point show discussing James Harden, who led the Rockets 32 points, 13 rebounds, 10 assists, led the Rockets in every category, plus 24. Guess what? That led the Rockets as well. So Harden, across the board, he was the story, shot nearly 50% from the field, 11 of 24, nearly 50% from three at 6 of 13. He still isn't even getting to the free throw line that much. Four or five tonight after shooting just three in Sunday's game one. And even without getting many free throws, he's averaging four through the first two games. He is still dominating in every capacity. So for all the narratives out there, take that. That's my response to all of that. He has just been simply tremendous. Now, he did have eight turnovers, but a lot of that came due to sheer boredom, in my opinion. The Rockets, they had a 26-point lead at the half, and of course, that's going to take a toll on anyone. Credit to Chris Paul, by the way. There was a time the Jazz got to within 17 in the third quarter, but Chris Paul made it clear that this was not going to be the Golden State Warriors who blew the 31-point lead at home in Game 2 against the Clippers. No, the Rockets far too mature for that, and kudos to Chris Paul. We'll talk about him more in the third segment as we talk about what the Rockets did on the defensive end, and I thought he had a ton to do with that. He set the right tone, and that's why the the Jazz, even though they got within 17 points, it never really felt like that they were going to be able to make a run in the second half, and he were close to what the eighth-seeded Clippers did to the top-seeded Warriors a couple of nights ago, and perhaps that was a bit of a wake-up call for the entire roster. There were a few too many turnovers. We mentioned Harden's eight. Chris Paul had six. But look, this game came almost too easy for the Rockets. At times, those are going to come. And when the closest the opponent comes is 17 points, I'm going to have a tough time reading them the riot act over that. In my opinion, those are fixable mistakes. And when they go on the road to Utah, it's, no matter the circumstances, yeah, it's 2 nothing, And you've had these two big wins at home. Look, they say a series never really starts until the road team wins a game. I don't know how much I believe that because with Houston being up two games to nothing, I don't care where the games have played. For Utah to beat the Rockets, then they're going to have to win four or five times. And having seen Houston win six of the last seven playoff games between these two teams, it's really, really difficult, barring major injuries, to see that happen. But nonetheless, it's going to be a fantastic crowd in Salt Lake City. They're so loud. They're so engaged. They make it tough to execute. So my guess is that veterans like Chris Ball and James Harden, they were a little loose with the ball tonight because of the lead. My guess is that that crowd, they're going to respond the way veterans do, which is that they know they're going to have to take care of the ball and be much more disciplined. And as I said after game one, it's much easier to work on your flaws after a win than it is a loss because they'll go in the film, they'll see what they did wrong, a few too many turnovers. Even though the Jazz, again, did not make that many threes, the Rockets did, in my opinion, give up too many. Utah was 8 of 38, just 21% from behind the arc. A lot of those were open, so perhaps at home, role players make more shots and the Rockets need to tighten it up. But again, it's much easier to learn your lessons when you win than when you lose. And as far as the Rockets are concerned, I mentioned the Jazz, 8 of 38 from behind the three-point arc as a team, which is woeful, even though they got a lot of decent looks. Flip side for the Rockets, they were 17 of 42, better than 40%. The biggest story, in my opinion... P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon combined 7 of 13, better than 50% from behind the arc. That's after they were 6 of 12, exactly 50% in Game 1. And quite simply, those two are the difference between the Rockets being good and the Rockets being great. You think back to that loss in Milwaukee late in March. I think Gordon and Tucker shot a combined like 1 of 16. I believe Gordon was scoreless. In Oklahoma City, it was... A similar story. They were slightly better, but Gordon in particular could not get on track at all. And that's when Houston has struggled. I believe Tucker didn't make a three in that Oklahoma City game at all. I don't have the game log in front of me right now, but I know he was not a particularly positive difference maker. And with regards to James Harden, Chris Paul, the framework of the Houston offense, you know what they are going to do. And in the playoffs, those two are going to draw even more attention. We've seen all the wild, innovative ways that Quinn Snyder and the Jazz, who are normally a really good defensive team, they are completely out of sorts because that's how afraid they are of James Harden. That's how damn good he is. These shots for Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker, they are wide open and kudos to them for making them. But there have been games this year where they have missed a lot of wide open shots. So number one, it's nice to see them raising their game in the playoffs. And just as we say, the Jazz will likely shoot better at home because role players tend to play better at home. Well, guess what? For the Rockets, Eric Gordon and PJ Tucker are the role players. So even though they're veterans, and maybe they'll make them fare a little bit better, look, these are the type of players that historically profile better at home than they do on the road. So will Gordon and Tucker be able to carry over that level of effort? I don't know. That's one of the storylines to watch as game three will determine whether the Rockets can just put a hammerlock on the series at three games to nothing, or whether the Jazz at two to one can put a little bit of intrigue into it. So... To me, what this shows you is that Utah, I know they have not looked like a good team through two games, but they won 50 for a reason. And until the last week of the season, when they were locked into the five seed and had basically nothing to play for, they had won 12 of 13. I know the way that it's looked, but a lot of that is because of the Rockets and their efforts on both ends of the floor. Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, Derek Favors, there are a lot of really quality basketball players on that team. We can throw... Joe Ingles, Ricky Rubio in there as well. Just because the Rockets are playing really well, we don't need to disrespect what's been a really good Utah team this season. They're a good team. They're capable, and especially defensively, of being very disciplined and taking away what you do best. And, of course, what makes it all the more remarkable is that even though the triangle is stuffing its heart, and he's still putting up a triple-double and double-figure assist in the process and leading the way in plus-minus. But generally, it's not that easy for Harden to get all the looks that he normally does. For him to get the 40 or 50 that he has, oftentimes this season, he would have to be completely out of the framework of the offense. Fortunately, he does not have to do that because of the presence of Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker. And they look healthy. I think that's, first and foremost, uh, the most important thing. Beyond that, though, you just have to hope that they are in rhythm, that there's something about these looks that they're getting. And perhaps... You know, a theory I've seen floated on Twitter, perhaps the Jazz throwing so much at Harden, it makes him be even more decisive because he has to make plays earlier in the shot clock, and maybe that's getting passes to Gordon and Tucker that are even more pinpoint rather than waiting. Perhaps that's an element of it. Whatever the case, Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker playing like this is a difference between the Rockets being a really good team and then being a great team. We've had two straight games with those two making 50% or better from three. And look at the results. Even against a team with a lot of quality players, a great defense, won 50 games, was red hot down the stretch, the Rockets have won by 20 and by 32. That's how good the Rockets are when Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker are making their shots. Sometimes the game really can be that simple. We have all these advanced analytics. We have all these formulas, all these little things that we're watching. And sometimes it can be as simple as what team puts the ball in the bucket. And for the Rockets, the variables, Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker, we have blamed those guys, and rightfully so. I think back to the Milwaukee game, as I said, when things don't go their way. Well, this one, they did. And those two, beyond James Harden, who is the MVP of the league for a reason, and whether he wins or not this year, he absolutely should be again, one of the best seasons individually that I have ever seen in the history of the game beyond that, the storyline tonight, if Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker shoot like this, the Rockets are going to be assuming health for their big guns. James Harden, Chris Paul, Clint Capella, don't forget about his 10 rebounds and three blocks, which helped lead the defense tonight. But when Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker shoot like this, that's when the Rockets become lethal. And that's the biggest difference. between the Rockets, who struggled offensively against Utah a year ago in the group, this year that even against a very similar Utah team has somehow gone from struggling offensively to dominating these games on both ends of the floor. The next challenge is proving that you can do it on the road. It's generally tougher for role players to do that, although Gordon, Tucker, these are not guys that are afraid of the moment. They've been there, done that, so they do profile much better than, say, younger role players might. Also, the Rockets, one thing we've seen throughout this season, how well can they keep their foot on the gas? This is a team that's had various lulls and bouts of inconsistency, perhaps it's a good thing to have them see this much success early in the playoffs to see if they can keep their foot on the gas in a way that, say, the Warriors could not. And by the way, that's another angle to consider. The fact that the Warriors, after blowing that lead in Game 2 and now appearing tied at 1 to potentially be in for at least a 5-game series and maybe longer than that, and definitely some stress, some drama after losing Boogie Cousins as well. To see the Rockets go out in Game 2 and methodically take care of business and choke the life out of a much better Utah team than what the Clippers are, yeah, to me, that speaks really well to where the Rockets are at. And of course, it starts with James Harden, 32-13-10, Chris Ball, 17 points, and a key difference maker defensively, more on that momentarily. But beyond James Harden, the biggest story for the Rockets relative to the five-game sweep they had a year ago against the Jazz, and somehow, you know, Mike and Tony was asked before the game, did he think that this year's group was better than last year. And on the surface, it seems a little silly because last year's group, of course, won 65 games, by far the most in Rockets franchise history. And D'Antoni, he didn't say that they were, but he said they can be. And he pointed to Harden in particular. He said Harden was better this year than last year. Well, I thought both of those showed true tonight. Harden in particular, 32, 13, and 10, Even after a Game 1 in which he was strong, there was no fatigue element. He was just as good, even better tonight, in my opinion, than he was in Game 1. So if there was any concerns about what happens the rest of the series when teams adjust or he gets tired whatever, I thought he erased that storyline tonight. And beyond Harden individually, look, the Jazz, the Rockets defensively did their job against Utah a season ago. But offensively, after Game 1, which they got up by 30 in the first half, it was a slog. This is a very comparable Utah team, their overall record, winning 50 games, how hot they were going in, the personnel. And unlike last year when the Rockets generally won that series on the defensive end, the Rockets are dominating it on both ends. So right now, and of course a lot of it has to do with Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker making their shots, but as far as what it means for the Rockets as a whole, yeah, right now they do look like a better team than they were a year ago. And that's crazy to say because I know this Rockets team over 82-153. Last year's 165. But when you factor in similar starters, well, you have Eric Gordon starting in place of Areza, but that's the same group as a year ago. But then you have Daniel House, Austin Rivers, Kenneth Fareed off the bench, all that energy on top of Gerald Green. In the third quarter, mentioned Chris having a big role when it was 17 and not letting the Jazz get any closer and pushing it back up to 25. Also, the, just the cumulative effect Rivers, House, Fareed, Green, the four of them boy, they come in waves. And even if the starters are a little tired after a plus 26 first half, then the Rockets have energy and depth in the second unit they did not have a year ago when they had guys like Joe Johnson and Ryan Anderson in many of those same roster spots and Luke Bamute, who only trusted one of his two shoulders. This Rockets team, I know what the record over 82 is, but they are peaking at the right time. And right now, they look better than they were a year ago. Now, I'm not going to say they are, I need to see them at least one time on the road, and Game 3 in Utah is a perfect opportunity to make sure that this extends beyond Toyota Center, that it's not just a hot two-game stretch, but right now, against a nearly identical playoff opponent to a year ago, it's tough to argue that the 2019 Rockets don't look like they have even more upside than the 2018 Rockets, and of course, Eric Gordon, Peter Tucker, they have a lot to do with it. Beyond that, though, with the Golden State Warriors struggling in their series, tied at one, and likely looming in just a couple of weeks, really a week and a half, since it's slated to be the round two matchup barring some sort of major upset. Yeah, it could not come at a better time. Final thoughts as we close out Wednesday night's show. Again, this is Locked on Rockets, your home for daily podcast commentary on everything Houston Rockets basketball. And I'm your host, Ben DuBose, Rockets correspondent with Sports Talk 790, the team's official radio flagship in Houston. We spent the first two segments of our usual three-point show discussing largely offensive storylines. James Harden, the triple-double, third of his playoff career, 32, 13, and 10. Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, again, making 50% or better of their threes. Houston collectively, 17 of 42, better than 40% overall from three, all against a Utah defense that was top five on the season. They've been coming up with all these innovative ways to shade Harden to his right, to even trail him at times. Well, it's given up a lot of open threes. Unfortunately, the Rockets' role players are making them, and the Jazz are largely losing as a result. We also touched on a few of the difference makers off the bench. Austin Rivers, who plus 21, was again second in the plus-minus for the Rockets for both playoff games. Game 1, he was plus 23. Game 2, again, plus 21. Daniel House made two of his six shots, eight points, Kenneth Freed. Had 7-7 seven and seven in his 17 minutes. And above all else, those guys played with just so much energy in the third quarter of this game. The one time it felt like the Rockets had a little bit of a lull. Jazz cut it to 17. Chris Paul, those bench guys, and then James Harden came back in. That was enough to really take control of the game. Put Houston back up 25 again. And then the entire fourth quarter was garbage time, leading to the 118-98 win, which puts Houston up two games to none in the best-of-seven series with it's shifting to Utah-Salt Lake City for Saturday night's Game 3. What I thought, besides just the shooting, and to make that many shots against an elite defense, that's really encouraging, especially Eric Gordon, P.J. Tucker, your key variables, and to see James Harden make that many shots after Game 1 a year ago, post-Game 1, Harden was a storyline. Not anymore, at least to start 2019. All of that, to me, is the most encouraging. Defensively, even though they held the Jazz to 98 points, And 8 of 38, just a ghastly percentage from 3. I won't say that it was a perfect defensive performance for Houston. Now, what I will say, the rebounding, 48 to 46, look, you can overcome a lot of issues if you rebound the ball well. And Houston led by James Harden with 13. They're an undersized team relative to the Derek Favors, Rudy Gobert led Jazz. Well, the way you overcome that, you have your guards and if you have a guy like James Harden doing what he does offensively and then setting the tone with 13 boards, it's going to be really tough to beat you with that combination of play. And so if you rebound the ball, it's amazing what you can overcome in other elements. And so Houston battling the Jazz your parody on the glass, there's just no recipe for Houston to compete with uh, or, or for Utah to compete with Houston if that happens. So salute to the Rockets for taking care of business and being very professional in their approach that paid major dividends throughout this game. Beyond that, though, even though Utah's shot 8 of 38 from the field or or from 3, the 8 of 38, the 21% is a little misleading because I did think they got a lot of open looks and they just missed them. That said, I do think there was some lull between the Rockets getting off to that 27-9 start in the first six minutes. Things were coming so easy. The first six minutes of the game, the Rockets were swarming defensively. The Jazz were getting nothing. And really, from about the six-minute mark of the first quarter, this game felt over. So even though largely, it's a weird game to evaluate because you look at the box and you and say, oh, the Rockets' three-point defense was great. They held the Jazz 21% from three. Actually, the eye test would tell you that the three-point defense was not that great. The Jazz had a lot of open threes. In my opinion, the reality is in between. I do think the Rockets gave up too many open threes, and the Jazz making 21% they were just a little bit lucky, and if this game is in Salt Lake City, which Game 3 will be, the Jazz, the role players probably play much better at home than they do on the road, and they don't shoot 21%. The flip side is that at the key inflection points, the starts of the game and then the bench-led unit, as I mentioned, Rivers, Green, House, Fareed, Chris Paul, and then James Harden towards the end in the third quarter after they cut to 17, when it really mattered, the Rockets did not give up that many open threes. The defense was very good. So, even though the Jazz, I know you'll say, look, they're shooting below 25% from three through two games. That's unsustainable. They'll make some more shots. Yeah, the Rockets will look at the film, and they'll see they need to be better. And that's what elite teams do. They play themselves, not the scoreboard. So, even if they win by 20, the Rockets are not going to be satisfied. They will see they left a a few too many shooters. And they got their wake-up call watching the Warriors blow a 31-point lead the other night. There is no team that's too talented in the NBA playoffs to lose to another. Look, the Milwaukee Bucks are playing the worst team in the playoffs by far in the Pistons. They were down at the half at home tonight. I know they rallied to win, but the Rockets are very aware that if they don't play in peak form, they can lose, especially on the road. So I don't think that they're not taking these games seriously. I just think at some point, if things are coming too easily, there's going to be a lull unless the Jazz make a run. And really, the Jazz only made one run, and I use run in quotes, to cut it to 17, and at that point... The Rockets responded in kind. And so that's why even though they got some open threes, I don't really worry too much about it because I think the Rockets had bouts of complacency. Yeah, when they were up 20, 25, 30 points. And fortunately, unlike the Warriors, who let a 31-point lead completely evaporate, the Rockets never even let it get inside of 15. And they were just on cruise control, the clearly superior team. And the one common thread, the start to the game and the third quarter when they built it back up from 17 to Nearly 30 again was a guy named Chris Paul, who had two blocks, two seals, and even in the stretches where the Rockets did give up a few too many open threes, even though the Jazz didn't make them, I thought his defense throughout was fantastic. Fortunately, the Rockets winning another blowout. Again, no one's minutes were overextended. Paul played just 29, didn't even get to 30 tonight. He is moving defensively better than I have seen him all season long, and it's not even close. Ever since he came back in late January, he's been a real boon to the Rockets' transition defense because he's so damn smart. His IQ, he's very disciplined. He knows how to get back. He doesn't have any real lapses. And of course, in the half-court sets, even if he can't hold his own on the perimeter, then he's so disciplined and smart as a team defender that considering the bonds of trust, the experience that this group has playing together, it ends up working out. Well, tonight you watch this game, even when the perimeter players in the Jazz, Rubio, Mitchell, Raul Nito off the bench, Joe Ingles, whoever it may be, they all took turns trying to blow by on the perimeter, make something happen because they have been so offensively challenged in this series. It didn't matter. Chris Paul laterally is moving as well as he has all season long. And that's why, to me, it matters to watch the games. You know, I said Oklahoma City, and it's a regular season game. Perhaps he was just holding back. But even though Chris Paul's finale at OKC was great, I wasn't too over the moon about it because, again, in the fourth quarter, he wasn't really trying to create separation in the mid-range game. He wasn't starting and stopping on a dime. And even though he made threes, look, the threes are going to come. The threes are going to go. In these first two games, Chris Paul, he went 0 of three behind the arc in game one. And tonight, he was just 1 of six. Well, the thing is, He was 4 of 5 inside the arc. He's making the mid-range shots. He's creating separation on the blow-bys, against the bigs, on switches. And defensively, he is moving so well. The threes, you're going to have some games where you're hot, like he was in Oklahoma City. You're going to have others where you're cold. That's going to come and go. That's why you can't just follow the box score. You need to actually watch with your eyes. And what's been most impressive to me, the Rockets defensively, overall, look, they've held the Jazz to 90 points and 98. On the balance, that's great. They've been a little bit fortunate with the Jazz missing some shots. But look, NBA teams, you don't hold them below 100, especially in today's pace and space NBA, and especially if there are blowouts, which these two games have been all with luck. The Rockets have done a lot of things right. And of course, you go back to a year ago, the Rockets really stifled the Jazz in that series as well. There's been a continuing theme of can Utah score enough points against Houston. As far as Chris Paul, though, I think that's the biggest difference maker. Offensively, he's been quality as well. He's probing, even though he had just three assist, you did see him breaking down people off the dribble, and many times with the hockey assist, getting it to somebody else who would then kick it to the shooter. Ultimately, though, with Chris Paul, it's never about the box score in a given game. It's always about how he is moving, and in game one and game two, we have seen signs, not just on offense, but defense as well, this is the best he has moved and looked all season long to me, even relative to Oklahoma City when his box score numbers were better, but I don't think he really put it into overdrive. These last two games, he has. And if the Rockets are going to beat Golden State, if they're not there yet, but they just need two more wins to wrap up this series, it can't be just James Harden. You're going to need the Chris Paul who had a big deal in closing out Game 4, in Game 5 a year ago. A large role in making those key shots down the stretch and, of course, being a part of the Rockets defense that held the Warriors below 100 points in consecutive games in those wins. It can't be James Harden alone. Chris Paul has to step up, and even if he's not making his shots now, it's the way that he is playing. And he is making his shots inside the arc, let's be clear, he's just not making his threes. But it's the way in which he's playing. I could not be more encouraged with Chris Paul. He has a lot to do with their defensive success, and down the road, I think it's going to contribute and lead to offensive success as well. There is a correlation, because with Chris, it's how healthy he is. And knock on wood, assuming that continues, I really like he is round, how he is rounding into form. Perhaps all the extra time off before the series, now having two days off in between games, that helps. But guess what? If the Rockets take care of business, there's still two more days before Saturday's Game 3. And if they can get a sweep or at worst in this series in five games, then guess what? You'll have more days off between this and the Warriors series. And hopefully you'll have a fresher CP in Round 2 against Golden State, which is a big part of the case for why Houston might be better off playing the Warriors in Round 2. After all, we'll have to wait and see. Anyway, I don't want to go too far down the Warriors' road because, no, this series is not over. The Rockets have only taken two of the four games that they need to win it. So how do the Rockets get the next two, especially with the scene shifting from the friendly confines of Toyota Center to the hostile territory of Salt Lake City? Well, that's what we'll be discussing for the remainder of the week as we get set for Saturday night's Game 3. So for tonight's recap on Wednesday, April 17th, this is where we will sign off. Again, the happy final from Houston, Rockets 118, Jazz 98. The Rockets are up two games to nothing in the round one series. If you want more coverage before our next episode, best place to get it is on Twitter. I'm on there at Ben DuBose. The show is on there at Locked on Rockets. Beyond that, don't forget we have an email address, Locked on Rockets at gmail.com, a website, Locked on rockets.com, a Facebook account, facebook.com slash Rockets. Always, you can access our prior content. You can ask me questions about the team, make suggestions for the show, advertising inquiries. Anything we can do to make this a better podcast experience for you, the Die Hard Rockets fan, or even you, the human being, please don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. As always, thanks for listening, and please remember that you can subscribe to this show on the new Himalaya Podcast app, as well as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and more. When you get in your car or if you go to the gym, make sure to tell your smart device to play podcast Locked on Rockets, and you can find our most recent episode that way as well. One final time, the happy final from Toyota Center. Houston 118 Utah 98 the Rockets are up two games to none in the best of seven series James Harden leads the way 32 points 13 rebounds 10 assists leading the team in each category PJ Tucker, Eric Gordon again shoot better than Fifty percent from three-point range, and the Rockets through two games against a very good Utah team that won 50 in the regular season are not only up two games to nothing, they are cruising. They are rolling. What a great time to be a Rockets fan! The fan atmosphere—I haven't talked about that enough. It's been terrific at Toyota Center. Hopefully, that continues throughout the playoffs. The Rockets fans have showed up in a big way. Whatever the case, though, if this continues, or if for any reason it goes south, I don't have any reason to expect that. But you never know. It has been a very topsy-turvy Rockets season. Whatever happens the rest of the week, and of course, as we get you set for game three and talk about what they need to do to hopefully continue this current level of play, whatever it is, we'll have you covered right here at Locked on Rockets because that's what we do here as the only daily podcast covering Houston Rockets basketball. On that note, I'll sign off. Rockets 118, Jazz 98, Houston up two games to done. How sweet it is. Enjoy the rest of your week, and please come back soon for more episodes right here at Locked on Rockets.